Harper County had allowed you guys to start regathering and to see, you know, that's been almost like a year and a half ago, I feel like, to see everybody now. Wow. I mean, just how incredibly blessed, like, you guys are as a church. Um, and getting to know Brad over the last couple of years has been such a huge encouragement to me. So we're excited as one of your sister churches to just be excited for you as you move towards a self-sustaining church and all of that and, uh, and everything. And it really is a delight to be uh, with you this morning. At Christ Pres Inglewood, uh, what we say is we want to be a church that's striving to love God, love people, and love place. And the primary way that we're doing that is by sharing the good news of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and inviting people to receive his mercy to us. And so my hope is, is that our scripture passage and our sermon this morning will reflect those things uh, to you. We're going to be reading in the book of Hosea, uh, Hosea chapter 3. I'm going to read the whole chapter. It's very short, so uh, don't get too overwhelmed uh, by that. But Hosea um, is in the Old Testament. If you, you know, sort of like open your Bible to the middle towards the Psalms and then just kind of begin turning um, right a little bit, you'll eventually run into, uh, run into Hosea. But this is, um, this is Hosea chapter 3. Think of it like this. What I'm about to read to you is a portion of a letter from home. And the Lord said to me, go again, love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a lethic of barley. And I said to her, you must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the whore or belong to another man, so will I also be to you. For the children of Israel shall dwell many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or pillar, without ephod or household gods. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they shall come in fear to the Lord and to his goodness in the latter days. Let's pray real quick. Let's ask God to help us understand his word this morning. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, we pray that your word would have power in our lives this morning, uh, power to, uh, to change our hearts, uh, power to uh, open our eyes to our own brokenness, uh, our own sin, and open our eyes to your everlasting love for us and your continual, constant, never giving up pursuing of us uh, would Holy Spirit, you make Jesus so big to us this morning, uh, and we pray these things in Christ's name, amen. Well, we're kind of jumping into uh, the middle of something here by taking a look at the book of Hosea. Uh, Hosea is a, a man who is a prophet, uh, and in the Old Testament, God gave his people uh, prophets, and basically what the role of the prophets were to do for God's people uh, were to give God's people messages that described the nature of God's relationship with his people. And at times, uh, prophets would be given messages to describe how, th how the people of God are treating God, and yet how God responds to that. And God gives the prophets messages like this to describe God to his people, that God is a, a king to his people, that he rules and reigns over his people, at times, prophets share that God is like a shepherd to his people and that his people are sheep that are, that are tended and gathered together and protected by God. 
At times, prophets shared that God is a father to his people and that we are his children uh, and, and that we are invited into the arms of his tender love and care for us. And then there comes this guy named Hosea, who's a prophet. And God gives Hosea a message to give to his people that describes our God to us in a specific relationship, and that relationship is marriage. And so Hosea speaks to us this morning and impresses on us how our God is like a spouse to us, is like a spouse to us. And so what God does is he actually goes to Hosea, this man named Hosea, and he tells Hosea, your life is going to be a living parable of marriage, that you're actually going to live out what my relationship with my people is like. And our big point this morning is really, really simple, is that the book of Hosea uh, as a whole, and we're going we're gonna to hone in on chapter 3 here, but the book of Hosea as a whole is about how our relationship with God is a marriage. And I want us to look at three things this morning that develop that, that we see in chapter 3, but are also with, embedded within the entire book of Hosea. So these three things that are going to develop that uh, marriage relationship that we have with God are Hosea and Gomer. Uh, Gomer is Hosea's wife. Redemption and then life with God. So that's where we're headed this morning. Uh, we're going to take a look at Hosea and Gomer and their relationship. We're going to look at redemption. Then we're going to look at life with God. And before we jump into Hosea and Gomer's relationship, I, I want to give um, a, a little bit of, of a disclaimer. Uh, you know, God's word is... Uh, it doesn't pull any punches about life. It's, it's actually incredibly and at times brutally honest about life the way that it is and about life the way that, that we experience. And God is also at times very direct and honest about how we treat him in our relationship with him. And so I tell you that to tell you the story that we're going to look at this morning is one of those hard stories in God's word. It, it, there, there's things in it that are, are difficult for us to grapple with and to wrestle with. And so I want to lay that out there, that God's word always invites us to grapple. It always invites us to wrestle with even some of the hardest things that we see and that we experience uh, in life. And so let's dive into Hosea and Gomer's relationship. You see, God comes to this man named Hosea, and he says, I want you to marry a woman. And this woman, who's named Gomer, she's not going to love you. She's not going to love you the way that a wife should love her husband. As a matter of fact, God says to Hosea, she's actually going to, to cheat on you. And she's actually going to run into the arms of other men. And God even comes to Hosea and he says, look, I want you to have children with Gomer as well. And God says to Hosea, after you have these children with her and everything, she's going to leave you. She's going to leave you. And what Hosea does is Hosea obeys what God asked him to do. He goes, he pursues this woman named, named Gomer, and he marries her, and they have children together, and then everything that God said would happen happens just like God said that it would. Gomer is unfaithful. She places herself into the arms of other men in their town. 
They actually have three children together, and at least one of them doesn't belong to Hosea. Is not even Hosea's child. Gomer leaves Hosea, leaves the kids, leaves the house, and she runs into the arms of multiple men. And she actually finds herself in a situation where she's actually indebted to one of her lovers. And she's no longer her own. She doesn't even belong to herself anymore. She is actually the property of this man. I told you, it's a hard story, y'all. And then what we run into in chapter 3 is that Gomer is in the middle of town. And she's basically on an auction block. And she's being auctioned off. She's being sold as a piece of property. And honestly... Most likely, she's being sold as a sex slave, if we're being completely honest here. And what God will do is God will actually call Hosea to go to the middle of town, to the auction block, to buy his wife, Gomer, back from her owner and to actually continue to enter into marriage with her. We'll get to that a little bit more later on. But before moving forward, I I, want to enter into the hardness and and the difficulty of this story in this way. Um, Let me tell you what Hosea is not about, if I can do that here. Hosea is not telling us that women are more prone to unfaithfulness than men. That's not what Hosea is telling us. Hosea, the book of Hosea is not a commentary on how every marriage should handle unfaithfulness. It's not doing that either. The Bible is actually very clear elsewhere that adultery is actually legitimate grounds for divorce. And that also there can be certain situations and relationships in such a way that carry with it such an amount of abuse that it is as if one spouse has abandoned the other. And so it's not telling us and giving us a demand that every unfaithfulness in a marriage is handled exactly the same way. Each story of adultery has its own complexities, its own nuances that lead to some marriages staying together and others not staying together. But here is what's true when adultery enters into a marriage is that every instance of adultery is completely heartbreaking utterly and completely heartbreaking. And Hosea's family absolutely experienced that. Absolutely did. It it was tragic. This story's tragic. It's heartbreaking. Actually, in um, in ways that words are actually difficult to find to describe. Well, if it's not about those things, then what is the, the, the story of Hosea actually telling us? Well, God is calling Hosea to this way of life and this marriage to illustrate how God's people have actually treated him. How God's people have uh, related to him as adulterers violating the most intimate of relationships. But Hosea is also telling us more, that there's something actually more than that. There's something actually bigger than even our unfaithfulness, and what that is, is redemption. The redemption is bigger than our unfaithfulness. 
So as we take a look at redemption, look back with me at verse 1 of chapter 3. The Lord said to me, go again, love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisin. You see, God saying to Hosea, go again. Like, this isn't the first time. Go again, Hosea. Love your wife just as I love my people. Pursue her, move toward her, and Hosea does. But there's a problem that we stated earlier. You see, Gomer is the property of another man. And what Hosea has to do is actually go and buy his wife back. And that's what the word redemption actually means, is to buy back at a price. And that's exactly what Hosea does. And so let's imagine together a little bit of of the scene here. Gomer, she finds herself in this unpayable debt. She's up on the auction block. She's up for sale. She's up to be bought and to be used however her purchaser decides. Exposed. All eyes on her as a piece of property to be bought and sold. And the truth is, is as we read this, our hearts should break for her. (laughs) Despite of, of what she's done, in spite of what she's done, to be treated inhumanely in this way, like a piece of property, like our hearts should break for her. And then imagine the bidding begins. The auctioneer calls out one shekel. Who'll give one shekel? And somebody speaks up and says, I'll give one. How about two? How about three? How about four? How about five? And then, out of nowhere, there's this voice that speaks up, and it's a voice that Gomer recognizes. It's familiar to her because it's the voice of her husband. And her husband, Hosea, swoops in and he says, look, 15 shekels and nine bushels of wheat to buy back my wife. And the auctioneer says, sold, done. Let's take in this passage, what what it's showing us, what it's teaching us um, a little bit more deeply. Uh, Jordan Rogers uh, first tried heroin at the age of 15. He was 15 years old. And the way he described what the experience of shooting up heroin was like for him is that it was almost like this just wave of complete and utter contentment just washed over him. And he described that what his life looked like after that point is that he was placing himself into the arms of a multitude of drugs, trying all kinds of things, but his drug of choice was heroin. He loved how it made him feel. And he actually said that his life began to be run by heroin. Everything in his day was revolving around that. And the way he described what heroin was like is it was like a silver tongue. It always promised something better around the next corner. But it never came through. And he said, I tried to get clean. I tried so hard to get clean on my own and it never took. The grip of heroin was just way too strong in my life. 
As a matter of fact, his other addict friends were so worried about him that they said, you know what, we don't even want to hang out with you anymore because we're afraid you're going to die. And at that point, he said, when addicts are telling you that you have a problem, you might have a problem. Well, and it was also at that point that he found himself arrested. He found himself sitting in a jail cell. And the way he described his incarceration over the course of the next 18 months is that I got sober, but not by choice. He says, you know, for addicts, drugs aren't the problem. Drugs are the answer. They're the solution. The real problem comes when the drugs are gone. And you're left there with all of the stuff that's underneath. And he said he remembered sitting in his jail cell and watching these two men get into a fist fight over a roll of toilet paper. He said, I remember thinking to myself in that moment, I deserve to be here, but I don't belong here. I deserve to be here, but I don't belong here. Well, Jordan got released from prison and he started to attend Narcotics Anonymous and he started to go to try and work the program and everything. And he just said to himself, this just isn't working. I'm not finding a lot of hope here. I feel like I'm definitely going to use dope again. He said, but you know what? Ah, oh, man, I'm, I'll give it one last meeting. I'll give it one last meeting. And so he describes going into that last meeting. And he describes coming out of that last meeting and just being like, I just don't see it. I'm, I'm just going to start using dope again. I don't see any hope here. And he describes being in the parking lot watching all the people that were a part of that meeting smoking cigarettes there in the parking lot and thinking to himself, I'm going to go, I'm going to get in my car, and I'm going to go find some smack, and I'm going to do heroin right now. This stuff just isn't for me. And he says, I got in my car. There was a voice behind me that said, hey, Jordan, do we need to talk? He said, I turned around with tears in my eyes and said, yeah, I think we need to talk. And Jordan Rogers would say about that man who would then become his sponsor, he said, whether he knew it or not, that man was the voice of Jesus Christ to me that night. He saved my life. He invited me into a relationship with Jesus, who in spite of all of my addictions and all the terrible things and the ways that I'd ruined my own life and the lives of others, that I could have a relationship with him. And as a matter of fact, that it was actually in the messy places where God is doing his work. Wow. As I hear that, as I read about Gomer, I'm struck with this. I'm Jordan Rogers. I'm Gomer. We are. The truth of the matter is, is our sin has us in a grip that we cannot shake. An unpayable debt. And the question is, is do we hear the voice of the Savior? Do we hear the voice of our husband? Do we hear the familiar voice that says, hey, do we need to talk? And oh, by the way, here's what I've got to tell you. I will pay whatever it takes to get my bride back. I'll work in the messy. I'll redeem the wayward heart. Sin, brokenness, addiction, 
has such a grip on our hearts that we're, we're bound to it, we're locked to it, and a bigger love must overtake us to free us from that. And that's exactly what Jesus does. Jesus comes and he releases the grip. He frees us to run into his arms. He takes our place on the auction block. Exposed, shame, stripped, naked, mocked, scorned, hung there, bleeding and dying on a cross. And what he does in that moment as he's dying on the cross and as his blood is flowing down is that his blood is his righteousness that covers us up. And it brings us in. And it says, you belong here with me in a marriage with me. This is what life with God looks like. It's redemption. Sin has us, like it had Gomer, like it had Jordan. And maybe... You, didn't, you haven't struggled with a drug addiction. And maybe you haven't struggled with a sex addiction. But we all have our own things. We all have our own addictions that we run to. To try and find contentment. To try and find fulfillment and satisfaction. And the only thing that breaks sin is a superior love. And Jesus is that love. Jesus himself is that love. You see, what's true is that Jesus holds on to us far more tightly than we ever will to him. He redeems us and he releases us from the unpayable debt of our sin. He speaks to us the same as Homer. As I knew I was going to say Homer instead of Gomer at some point. I, knew, I actually had it in my notes to give a disclaimer on that too. No, Jesus speaks to us the same way that Hosea does to Gomer in verse 3. We read it, like Hosea says to his wife, I said to her, you must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the whore or belong to another man. So will I also be to you. You know, at first glance, this looks like a little bit of a cold command, doesn't it? But it's not, not at all. You see, because what Hosea is telling Gomer is, I'm going to be with you. You are not property. You are my wife. I'm not going to let you run back to those things that are destroying you. I'm going to hold you close and tight. And we're going to build a life together. We're going to live with each other. We're going to be in a relationship with each other. I want you, Gomer. I desire you. All of your past. All of your mess. All of the ways that you've hurt me. They have been purchased with a love stronger than sin, they've been purchased with redemption. They've been bought back at a price. And I love you. I want you. I'm going to hold to you and cling to you. And that tells us something about redemption. That redemption is a process. It's a process. It's a process of Jesus coming to us and saying, I'm going to change you. We will work together. I'm going to grow you. We will grow deeper and deeper in our relationship. Jesus is saying, I'm going to uncover the underneath of your sin when all of the addictions are gone. And invite you to bring that to me. To lay it at my feet. And we're going to work on these things together. And the way I'm going to do that is by showing you deeper and deeper 
and deeper. How never ending, never stopping my love is for you. And that means something for us. Because that means that we should expect Jesus to reveal all of the arms that we run into. We should expect Jesus to love us enough to show us those things. For me, man, I'll tell you, moving from a university town in eastern North Carolina into a city like Denver has put me front and center with how comfort is such an addiction and an idol in my own heart. Because as I open my eyes to the plight of many people that live in my community that don't even have a place to lay their head at night, and they struggle with the same addictions that Jordan Rogers does, and they have the same kind of story that Gomer does, I am put in a place where it's right front and center to me how much comfort means to me. How addicted I am to my own comfort in this life. I think belonging is another arm that I try to run into, or a set of arms I try to run into. Maybe that's you. I try to run into the arms of materialism, run into the arms of relationships with others. We can have this tendency to want to run into the arms of causes, politics, all kinds of things to tell us that we matter, that we're worthy, that we'll fulfill the longing of love that is embedded deep into each of our hearts. But the truth of the matter is, is that is only found in the arms of Jesus. It's only found in the arms of Jesus. See, Hosea shows us something. Hosea shows us that sin breaks God's heart, but not forever. Not forever. That Christ has redeemed us that he overwhelms us with a love stronger than our sin, a love stronger than our brokenness that we experience. He uncovers the arms of another that we run into, and he grows us deeper into his love for us. Our relationship with God, this is, and this is, this is the last, last point here. I meant to give my warning earlier. I apologize. Our relationship with God, what the book of Hosea is teaching us is our relationship with God is a beautiful, beautiful marriage that lasts for eternity, forever, in which God grows us more and more deeply into understanding how deep, how broad, and how wide our sin is, but how much deeper, how much broader, how much wider his grace is this free gift of redemption in Jesus. And that no matter how big our sin is, and if you're sitting out there right now and you're like, man, you got no idea. You got no idea. Man, just, just, just look at Gomer. Just hear Jordan Rogers' story. Take that in. God is the kind of God who works in the messy and invites us to bring those things to him and to see how much bigger, how much greater Jesus' love for us is than our sin. All right. Probably opened up a can of worms. Okay. You guys want to know about the raisin cakes? Jeez, everything I just said, you want to know about raisin cakes? Why was... Why was Israel's preference for raisin cakes uh, wrong? 
just curious, just curious about the uh, about the history there. Uh, the the idea there is is that is that what Israel has been has been doing um, is is in a big picture sense is they've been they they've been choosing comfort, material wealth, material life, like all all of those things above God. And so what they've done is they've run away from God and they've run to these things. And raisin cakes essentially just represents that because uh, it wouldn't have been like raisin cakes wouldn't have been like, I don't know, I mean, goldfish. It would have been something higher end, you know? Um, and so that's what the raisin cake stuff is there for. I hope that helps. <laughs> I'm getting another one here. Let's make it another raisin cake when that felt easy. That's it. That's it. Well, I'm glad I could, you know, clear everything up for you guys in the book, in, in the book, in the book of Hosea. Um, no, I, and honestly, like, I, I get it and I understand that, um, man, that's, Hosea is a hard story. Uh, it's, it, it's difficult, oh, but, but it's so beautiful. It's, it's so beautiful, uh, too. But if, if you want to talk about anything that I said or anything in this, please feel free. I'm going to hang around afterwards. Please feel free. Uh, come find me. Um, and uh, would love to talk to you about it. You want to pray for us, Brad? Yeah. Uh, gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you, uh, you love us as your spouse. Um, Jesus, that you have actually come and bought us back at a price. You've redeemed us with your very own body and your very own blood. And so as we prepare to come to the table that you have set for us, that shows us your love for us, would you uh, work your grace deeper and deeper in our hearts? Would your love be more superior? Would it be bigger than our sin, than our brokenness, than our idols and our addictions? And would we see that your arms are the only ones that are worth running into? And we pray these things, Jesus, in your name. Amen.